0: Thanks for checking out the New Hope podcast. We believe this message will encourage you and transform you into who God is calling you to be. You are loved. Enjoy. I'm excited about. Uh, this series we're in. It's called Kingdom Builders. If you're new with us today, um, our theme for 2019 is Kingdom Builders. Uh, We take it from the scripture. Jesus had this big sermon. It's called Sermon on the Mount. If you read in Matthew 5, 6, 7, he had this sermon. And really, he spoke to mostly everything that we need. And at the very end, he says, Listen, build your house on a rock. How are we building our house? Are we building on a rock or are we building it on sand? So today we're going to jump right in and we're going to be talking about uh, the idea. Last week was Kingdom Builders listened. So if you weren't here last week or you work in nursery or work in kids, you can go online or go on your iPhone in the the podcast app and you can listen to it on there. So last week was listened, right? Remember last week we're talking about listening? Listening is different from hearing, isn't it? When we, when we listen, we, we have to think about it. We have to take it in. When we hear, we can hear, we can hear stuff all day long and not listen or not comprehend what we're, what we're hearing. God's always speaking, are we listening? Are we gonna be a church that listens? Are we gonna be kingdom builders that listen? So I'm calling all of us Christians kingdom builders. That sound good? And listen, you're coming here this morning, you're like, Pastor Landon, I'm not a Christian yet. Listen, that's, that's awesome, right? That's okay, Because you know what? You're here to to hear the Word of God, and it's between you and Him. You don't don't have to believe to belong at New Hope Church. Uh Uh-oh. You can belong here before you believe here. Amen? Anyway, let's, let's jump right in. So today we're talking about this big idea of praying and fasting. Kingdom builders pray and fast. You're like, Pastor Lynn, we know all about praying. I know, but we don't Like, do it much, no. Um, We know all about this. Can I start out? I want to tell you a story about when I was 10, so like a shoe size ago, okay? And um, I want to tell you this story, and it's actually a really uh, embarrassing story, and it's not really funny. It might be funny to you, but it's not funny to me. I I think, I don't think I told this story to anybody, ever. Uh, Maybe Tara. I don't even know if I told this part of the story to her. So Listen. Um, I want to tell you this story because it goes along with what I just talked about before the sermon, and then it goes uh, with what we're talking about today. When I was about 10 years old, I had a friend named Tyler. Anybody ever a friend named Tyler? Probably not the same Tyler. This Tyler lives in Canada. So I had a friend named Tyler, and I was always at his house, and we we jumped on his trampoline all the time. Anybody jump on a trampoline before? Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anybody get any head injuries off of a trampoline before? Yes, me too. Um, so we jumped on we jump on this trampoline all the time, and then one day, I we were jumping and I'm breathing in and out because it's it's some work, right? And I inhaled a bug. I know it's funny to you, right? I inhaled this bug. I took this bug in and I choked for a little while. And you're not supposed to do that. You could eat a bug if you really want to. but don't do not inhale a bug. So you know what? Be, you know what happened after that? I got really anxious about breathing. I, I felt like, "Oh no, I'm, I'm going to stop breathing. I, I can't breathe well." And I had this kind of fear uh, that overtook me quite often when I was a kid. Anybody ever fear like that before? You have this fear, that, this anxiety that takes you over and you're scared. But really, you don't have to be scared. So I would go throughout my journey as a teenager, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat all the time because I was scared. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go do fun stuff with my friends because I was scared. It, was, it took me over. It arrested me. I'm not talking about police, but this fear took over and arrested me. And so I, I kept having this fear over and over again. And finally, listen, when I was 20 years old, it wasn't as bad, but this fear would come over me still when I was 20 years old. I was married at 20. You know what, finally, I kept praying. I kept, you remember, I kept sending it back. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna accept this fear anymore. I'm not gonna accept it. And finally, one day, I called my dad on the phone. I said, dad, can you pray for me again? He knew most of the story. And you know what, he prayed for me on the phone that day. And since that moment, how old am I? 14 years ago, I haven't had any fear like that ever again. The one moment I had fear, and the next moment it was gone. Can we give praise to the Lord? I know that might to you sound small, but there are people in this room today that struggle with that. There are people in this room that struggle with all sorts of stuff like that. But do you know that in a moment with a prayer that God can set you free. In a moment with prayer, God can change the atmosphere. In a moment with prayer, God can change the storm into a calm day. Amen? You probably know the story. Jesus is out in a boat. He is sleeping. He's calm in the storm, right? So he gets up and and all of the disciples are all going crazy. They're all stressed out. They're all fearful. We're going to die and then Jesus gets up, and he, he does, before Jedis were even cool, he's the real one, and he's like, all right, be still, calm, and the storm calm down. You know that God will do that in your life in prayer? Amen? You need to help me preach this morning, because the air not on, and I feel like I'm alone in the, in the house today, okay? So I need to hear you preaching with me this morning. Amen? Amen. So um, I, I love this scripture, and hold on to the scripture, write it down, and this is your promise. Those of you that have fear, those of you that have anxiety today, here's your scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7. My, my stepmother always gave me the scripture when I had a fearful moment, and it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You don't have to fear anymore. Jesus accomplished what you needed to have freedom on the cross. We're sending it back today, right? Just like that salad. We don't want salad when we're at Cheesecake Factory. We want our cheesecake. We don't want fear as Christians. We want our freedom. Amen? So I'm going to pause right now, and I'm going to pray for those who have fear like that. Because I believe today you're going to have freedom. That God's going to break that chain. Amen? Amen. So let's close our eyes. Lord, we pray that those in this room today who have maybe something similar to I had when I was a kid, anxiety, fear, depression, whatever it is, that it would go in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. (laughs) You know that when we pray... We're, pl- we're pr- placing everything in God's hands, right? We talked about this a few months ago. We think we're the kings of the universe, right? And we're like, ah, oh, I got this. I got this. And we take the weight of the world on our shoulders, but when we pray, we're giving God, we're saying, we're giving it back over to God and saying, no, 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 I'm not the king. You're the king. So in prayer, that's what we do. We're declaring uh, we're declaring uh, what God has already done on the cross. We're declaring all the promises that, he, that he's given us through scripture. We're declaring all the promises that we've heard from when we were kids. We're declaring them in prayer. That's what prayer, you know that prayers are, are declarations, right? Have you ever heard of this? I've heard this thing. I saw it this summer. Um, it's called the Declaration of Independence. Anybody ever anybody, one person? Awesome, awesome. It's pretty cool. Just saying. it's pretty cool. Um, but the, the Declaration of Independence is declaring, one, they're saying, hey, we're declaring freedom from the British, right? We don't need your rule anymore, right? No longer under British rule, but if you read the Declaration of Independence, listen to this first part. We hold these truths to be Listen, you guys are Americans. You read this for me. That all men are created, that they are endowed by their creator with certain that among these are life. That's a declaration right there. Now, I don't want to get political, and I don't think this is actually political, but it says here that Americans have the right to life. This week, New York decided that they don't want to follow that program. Abortion is, in most cases, all cases, is kill, killing, murder, right? Now, I know some of you in this room, they, you might not agree with me, but I believe that God is giving us the right to life, and wants everybody, everywhere, wherever they are, to have the right to life. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have the right to liberty. And we declare everything our government does is filtered through what? The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, right? So everything that is done has to be filtered through those documents, And imagine how much more so when we go to pray, when we go to to speak to our Heavenly Father, when we go to talk to Him, everything that we do is declaring what God has already said from the very beginning of time. He created us. He created that young child, maybe eight months in the womb, for a purpose. Two months in the womb. I remember Emma seeing her when she was four months in the womb that she already had everything. She had everything hands, feet, heartbeat, everything. And she was important to God from that very moment. Isn't that special? That God, it says in the Bible that God knits us together in our mother's womb, right? So to me, what happened in Sebring is just as bad as what happens in the womb. Sebring, last week, five women killed for no reason. And I'm going to talk about that a little later in our our message here, but we need to be people of prayer, church, right? We're in a time where we need to pray more and more. We're in a time where we need to declare and proclaim the truths of God's word in our life, in our kids' lives, in our church's life, in our community's life, in our country's life. We're here to declare it. Why? Because we've experienced it. You know, since Jesus completed our salvation on the, on the cross, he declared our healing. He declared our freedom. He declared our hope. He declared our future. He declared our blessings. Now, as Christians, as friends of Jesus, we can declare. You know that? When we're praying, we're proclaiming the promise that God's already set up for us. Isn't that Awesome. He promised not to leave you nor forsake you. And it is okay in prayer to proclaim that. Hey, Lord, you promised not to leave me, not to forsake me. We're declaring. Listen, uh, he, Jesus shows us in Matthew, if you want to open up to Matthew uh, 6, um, in the middle of this big sermon on the mount, he's like, hey, y'all want to know how to break? Well, Jesus wasn't from Polk County, but if he was, that's what he would have said. Y'all come, come on, come back. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to pray today. In in prayer, uh, we speak to God. We declare things. We proclaim things. And, and look, Jesus teaches us here. Open up to Matthew five or six verses five and on. It says, and we, and when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and to be seen by others. Surely, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Look look what it says. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Listen, this is Jesus' words. This isn't me making up like, hey, stop babbling. Jesus is saying it. It's like, come on, people, like use, use your words? No. Um, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then, yeah, amen. Amen. He knows what you need. Verse nine, this then is how you should pray, Our Father. In heaven. That's a declaration right there. You're proclaiming, I've got a Father in heaven who created in me, who loves me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us what? Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? I know we all know it in different translations, that's why I was getting confused. But he is teaching us how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, start right here. Use this prayer every day. Start there, pause and, and remember the things. And then it says this: look, verse 14, and here's the kicker, right? Look. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will what? verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's from Jesus. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So forgiveness is a big deal in God's kingdom. Forgiveness for us as Christians, I know over the years, it's like churches split, churches are mad at each other. There's no unity. We need to forgive each other. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We're all equal. Amen. So that's how you should pray. Now, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of issues in our culture, right? We could just sit here all day and, and write them all down. But you know what? There's a lot of issues just in us. And before we think we can go out and fix everybody else, God wants to speak to us. And then we don't go out and yell and spit and, and post on Facebook what we don't like about our culture and our, our politics. You know what we do? We show it. We show that we have freedom, that we have unity. You know, I've heard so many times people not uh, follow Jesus, not because they didn't love Jesus or or believe the word, that they they just couldn't get past what his followers were like or so-called followers, right? Amen? Now, so there's some issues in our culture. A lot of times our relationship with God is kind of the last thing that we do. That's the last thing that we think of at the end of the day, like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I better do some prayer tonight before bed, right? I don't know about you, I that happens to me sometimes. We get so busy, we get so hung up on our stuff, but I loved what my mom said one time, and this is not, I'm just a disclaimer, this is not uh, theologically correct, okay? Because we talk about tithing, right? We talk about tithing, and... Uh, my mom once said, she said, you know, at the beginning of the day, I tithe my time to God. I spend, I spend all this time to God because I know there's things throughout the day that, that I'm going to be doing that's just busy. So I want to spend the, the first part of my day with the Lord. Obviously, we want to pray. The Bible says pray continually, but I, I kind of like that idea. You know, we spend more time on our phone in 2019 than we do with God. Now the iPhone, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you swipe left, you can see, at least on mine, I can see how how much screen time I've had today. It's only 1141 and I've got 37 minutes screen time. I don't know what that means, but (laughs) we spend more time on our phone than we do with God. We spend more time doing all this other stuff. So today I want to I want us all to reevaluate because I know we all we all know we need to pray, we all need to fast, but today I want to reevaluate our prayer time. I want to reevaluate um, how we're doing and kind of see. You know, uh, we need to reevaluate sometimes. You know, if your screen time exceeds your God time, it's reevaluation time, right? Right? Yeah. If you're, what is it? Write it. Write it down. If your screen time exceeds your God time, it's reevaluation time, right? It's time to say, hey, you know, Tara and I get at each other, like, hey, MSU, like, let's get off our phones, let's do life with our family, let's, you know, and then people are like, well, oh, Pastor Landon, my Bible's on my phone, whatever. <laughs> Pick up one of these, you can get it all over the place, you probably have 10 of them in your house. I was talking to April this week. She's like, yeah, I just need to get a physical Bible because when I'm, trying to, when I'm trying to do my devotions on my phone, like I just keep getting these updates and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, isn't that a cute cat? And like you just go through all these things, right? You know that Jesus was the ultimate prayer warrior, right? If you look through all of the New Testament, you see at every corner, Jesus is praying. He's like, hey guys, there's a group of 5,000 people. There's a group of people he just preached to, and he could be he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glory in all these people, right? And he just counted men for some reason back then, 5,000 men. That means there could have been 15,000 people. He's like, all right, peace, guys. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to my, my father. What kind of example is that? Isn't that awesome? He's like, hey, we've got all these people here. Our movement is growing. It's, our church is getting huge. All right, peace. I'm going, to, I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to go with my dad. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to spend time in his with him today. Isn't that awesome? So he's the ultimate prayer warrior. He talked he talk to his father all the time. He embodied the scripture. Pray continually. Imagine going one day without talking to maybe your spouse or a parent if you're young or whoever. You know, how can we go a day without engaging with, with our creator? That he's made a way. He made a way. His name is Jesus. And that we can have a clear line of communication with our Heavenly Father. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I talked to somebody, I've talked to a Muslim a long time ago, and it, uh, I used to, and I still do sometimes, and I'll do like evangelism, or I'll talk to people at the mall, just try to strike up a conversation and see if I can tell them about Jesus. Well, it was a Muslim guy. He was working at one of the phone places, and, and I started talking to him, and, and he started asking me questions as we got talking about Christianity. And uh, he's like, so what's the rules? Like, what do you have to do? I'm like, well, there's not rules. It's we get a r- this incredible relationship with God. I get to talk. You get to talk to God? I'm like, yeah, I get to talk to God. So I asked him how his works. He's like, well, we have to pray uh, facing east every day at X time and X time. I said, well, what do you pray about? He said, I don't know. It's in another language. I just have to memorize that and I pray we have a personal relationship with Jesus, yes. our Savior. Let's take time. Let's pray. So look, I want to I jump into uh, four thoughts today uh, before we head out, and uh, I'm going to go through these and their declarations today. All right, you ready? You ready to write them down? Who's ready? Everybody awake? Everybody's going to lean in? Everybody's going to jump in? All right, let's do it. Like, I like that. I want to be out on that boat someday. Number one, our prayers need to declare thanksgiving. Now, we don't just talk about thanksgiving in November. We, talk, we can talk about it every day. Because our prayers need to declare thanksgiving. You remember, I, I just referred to the feeding of the 5,000, right? Jesus and the and, and disciples are teaching and preaching And there ends up being 5,000 men, like 15,000 people are there, and the disciples are having this big, like, conversation, like, how are we going to feed everybody? Like, should we just send everybody home? And, like, they'll go, like, you know, figure out their own food, and she's like, no, we'll feed them. So, so let's, we'll catch up here, and look what happens. This little boy shows up with five fish and two loaves, Right? And, and look what happens in verse 16 in, in Matthew 14. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You think he's kind of testing the disciples here for a minute? He's like, well, I'm going to see what, let's see what they do. Because soon I'm going to go away. I'm going to send them the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's kind of see what they do on their own, right? We, we have here only five, sorry, I said fish, five loaves of bread and two fish they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Look what, it, look what it says if you go back up. What did he do? He broke them and, and said thanks before the miracle even happened. You know that God's math is different from our math, right? If you have five loaves and two fish, you have seven things, right? Five plus two equals seven. It's pretty awesome, right? Right, Emma? Emma knows really, Emma's really good at math. But in God's kingdom, 5 plus 2 equals 5,000. Right? But it doesn't stop there. 5 plus 2 equals 5,000, remainder 12. And so in God's kingdom, we, when we thank him for what he's given us before it happens, that's kind of our job, right? To thank to be thankful at all times, right? To be thankful in the midst of a storm, to be thankful in the midst of when we're in need of something because still we're here, our heart's beating, right? There's air going through our lungs. We're alive. Everybody's alive in here this morning, right? Yes, Yes, not everybody's. Yeah, everybody is, hopefully. Good. Awesome. But what I love about this story is, is that Jesus gave thanks, and then he broke the bread. And all of these people were fed. And it shows us this math problem isn't too big for God. Nothing is too big for God when we are thankful, when we are humble people that say, I want to be who God's called me to be. Sometimes I think we limit God, don't we? We limit God. We kind of put it's like, okay, well, God can't do that. I'm not even going to pray about it. I'm kind of just annoyed right now, and I'm not thankful at all. We kind of get in this kind of complaining stage. Anybody ever been in a complaining stage of life? I'm complaining. Everything's terrible. I'm complaining. I'm complaining. Look what the Bible says about complaining. Philippians 2, 14 to 15. Do everything without complaining. Whoa. Revelation today, a new hope. Can I get a witness? Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. We're supposed to shine bright. You know that that we, as Christians, I think still, because... A lot of us in North America, we're waiting. We can't wait for that mountaintop experience, right? That's what we are. We're we're working our whole life for it. When we're in middle school, we can't wait to get to high school. When we get to high school, we can't wait to get to college. When we get to college, we can't wait to just have some money somewhere and get a, a nice meal and a warm blanket, okay? But we're waiting for this big mountaintop experience, but when we're in the valley, we just complain about everything. You know what? We're gonna spend way more time in the valley than we are on the top of the mountain. And how we and how we react and how we live in the valley is what really matters in our life. Because that's when we're gonna be there. It's like, Pastor Landon, isn't this like, aren't we like supposed to be like encouraging at church? Yeah, I encourage you. Stop complaining. <laughs> All right, let's move to the next one we need, we need to we need to move through this but but I just want from that one to say, listen, let's be thankful. let's rejoice always let's as we pray through, we praise through, right? We want to praise through all of our circumstances, all of our problems we're going to praise the Lord through that. Look at job's story. he didn't give up on God. Everything was was taken away from him, and yet he still praised God. Look! Look what First Thessalonians says. Look what uh, Paul says here: Rejoice always, always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do you think that he's saying that just for it to be, you know, poetic? No, he's saying it because he knows that we're all going to go through things in life that aren't ha- that aren't exciting, that aren't mountaintop experiences. So he's he's encouraging us. To give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. You know, it's God's will for you to be thankful. It's God's will for you to be humble. You're like, I don't like being humble. I don't like being humbled. Our first response to God needs to be worship, humility, and thanksgiving. Every time I go before the Lord in prayer, I start with thanksgiving. I want to remember what God's done for me. Right? I want to remember what he's brought me through. I want to remember, hey God, I could have been there, but I'm here and I get to be in your presence. I could have been destined to go to hell, but I'm here destined to be in heaven with you forever. Amen? Amen. All right, let's jump to the second one. Number two, our prayers need to declare God's power in us. You know that we have God's power living in us? Amen. And that our prayers need to declare his promises. Our prayers need to declare those things in our life. We pray in Jesus' name because there is power in the name of Jesus. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, we'd, we'd have all the youth pray, have all the youth pray, and at the very end of the prayer, they just went, amen. I said, listen, listen, guys. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, get mad at them or anything. I just said, hey, Listen. This is why we pray in Jesus' name, because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's miracles. There's signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, because he's the name that is above every name. Amen? Amen. 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 There's there's not, there's not just natural power, there's supernatural power. Yeah. Okay, let's look at James 5. And tonight, I want to encourage you to come back. We're going to have our prayer and our worship night and uh, we're going to be able to, to uh, pray together. But look, look what James 5, uh, verse 13 uh, to 18 says. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. There's power in prayer. There's power in the name of Jesus. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. And do you know that you're righteous? That you're holy? Like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. If you call Jesus your king, your Lord, that you have his righteousness. So you're righteous. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Wow. I'm just pausing because I don't think we got that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That means when you pray, there's power in your prayer. When you pray for the sick, they can be healed. I prayed for a guy in Colorado when I was just a scrawny youth pastor, and and I was like 21 years old. He came up to the altar, prayed for him, And it wasn't because I am some super special person. It's because I have God's righteousness, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I prayed for him. He was healed of cancer. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) You have power in your prayer. Number three, our prayers need to declare surrender. You're like, wait a second, wait a second. What do you mean by surrender? We don't surrender. We're Americans. We don't surrender to nobody. Yeah, we want to keep that, okay? But I'm not talking about that kind of surrender. No, we need to guard our, guard our, uh, our people, right? Our, our, our neighbors, our, our brothers and our sisters. I'm not talking about that kind of surrender. I'm talking about surrendering to God's will. Our prayers, when we pray, we need to declare surrender, not war. Jesus' followers surrender to God's will. I want to show you this story um, about Jesus. Maybe Jacob could come. I want to show you this story. Um, Jesus had just did the last supper with his disciples, and he was about to go to the cross, and he goes to this garden to pray, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes there to pray with his disciples and he's like, hey, you guys go pray over there. I'm going to pray. And he starts to pray this prayer of God, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible talks about how, how passionate his prayers were. That he was, he was so stressed out by what was coming that he was, he, was, uh, he was sweating blood. That he was starting to experience that the weight of all sin, all of the world was going to be on him. And in this moment, he prayed, not my will, but God, your will be done. Let me not take this cup, but if I have to, I will, because not my will, but your will be done. There was a wrestling there. He was a 100% man, wasn't he? 100% God. So physically, he's wrestling with this idea of what he's about to go do for all of us, and it kept going, and he's like, the disciples started falling asleep, right? And he's getting kind of up. He's getting kind of mad, right? Right about now. Why well, you guys can't just pray for for a little while with me? I think he's saying that sometimes with us. I don't think he's mad, but he's like, hey, why? Why can't my church pray? It's not, I'm mad at you. It's like, you just don't know what it's. You just don't know what's going to happen when you pray. Why can't you just pray for a little while? I, I want to speak to you. I, I love you. I'm your Father in heaven. And so he goes on and, and he's praying again, he's praying again. And he's like, "Can't you guys just pray? Just for a little while? And then the third time, Jesus says, Not my will, but your will be done. Listen, church, when we when we are people of surrender, what we're doing is saying, not my will, but I want to surrender who I am to your will. You know what? God's got a great will that He'll take care of you on every corner. Everywhere that you go, He'll be there right beside you. So we need to say, hey, here's God's will. I'm lining mine up right under here. You know, Isaiah says that, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. They're higher. I know, I've got this huge view of everything. I created it. I'm, I'm up here, he's got this bird's eye view of everything. And we're here like, we've got something right right blocking our view, right? I was talking to a friend a couple weeks ago. I was showing him this. We got this, and we can only see so far. But God sees the big picture. Like, well, I prayed for years to have X, Y, and Z. But God sees the big picture. So let's surrender to his will. And then lastly, our prayer needs to declare hunger. You ever been really hungry? You're like, yeah, I'm right hungry right now. Thanks for talking about it. i to go to Frostbite. Our prayers need to show our hunger for the Lord. Are we hungry? Well, then we're going to pray. Are we hungry? Well, then we're going to fast. You're like, won't that make us more hungry? There's two different hungers, isn't there? there's a physical hunger and when we're physically hungry it produces a need for provision okay so when we're spiritually hungry it produces a need for provision but not physical provision but spiritual provision let's get that today are we spiritually hungry or are we filling our life through all this junk that we can't even we we don't even know if we're hungry because we're so full of everything else that we're filling up our cup with everything else that we can't see past here. So my challenge for you is to fast this week. You're like Pastor Landy. You're talking about fasting food all week. If God wants you to, sure. Maybe you want to fast food a day. A biblical fast is food. And during that fast, what you're saying is, I'm giving up physical nourishment so I can spiritually nourish. I think some people fast and they're like, yeah, this is going to really help me get what I need. It's not how it works. You're fasting to get what God needs out of you. We don't fast to get what we need. We fast to get what God needs out of us. We're saying, I'm surrendering my will to you. Do what you want with me. And you know what? When we get under his perfect will, when we get where he's called us to be, that your mind is going to be blown with what he wants to do in your life. Like, but Pastor, I keep going down this wrong road. I keep doing this. I keep doing that. I keep making bad decisions and bad choices. Why? You're not surrendering to God. Now, I'm not saying your life with Jesus is going to be easy. He already said it's going to be hard. But then He says, Take heart. I've, I've overcome. I'm the overcomer. I did it on the cross. What if we were a church of prayer? What if we're a church of action? Who knows what God can do? I want to be part of that church. I want all of you to be part of that. A church that prays together stays together, right? And it doesn't just stay together, it grows. Do you know why that we're in this building right now? because someone prayed. A bunch of people prayed. I want to tell you that story just for a second. Now, if you're from Frostproof, uh, you may know this. This building was was um, empty for like six or seven years. And when we, we we met downtown at a little storefront building, about 25 to 3,000 square feet, a couple rooms when I first came. And, and when we started talking about... Uh, Leasing this building and renovating it and doing all that, people around town started hearing about it. Like every time I saw someone, hey, are you the pastor of New Hope? Yeah, they said, well, I drove by that building all the time and prayed that something would happen. With it. I believe that half of Frostproof drove by this church every day to and from work and prayed that God would use this place. Amen. I know for a fact that there's a gentleman sitting here in the. Third row, who brought his daughter to school, and God kept speaking to him about this building. He kept praying that God would use it. Yeah, it's just a tool, but prayer works because what prayer does is aligns God's will. We already His will doesn't move; it doesn't shift, and it brings us into alignment with His will. Amen. So I want to be part of a church that prays. So here's a here's a challenge. Uh, my prayer for us is is to be hungry and thirsty for God. And so here's a couple things if you want to write them down. Um, so I talked about a, a biblical fast is food. So you can pray, you can fast a lunch or you can fast every lunch this week, or you can fast a day or two days or four days. Or there's other fasts that people do. They'll fast social media, say, hey, i want I'm gonna clear that out of my life so I can focus on God. I'm going to fast TV or I'm going to fast whatever it is that maybe takes up your time. It might not be bad, but you say, hey, I want to to get closer to the Lord. I want to align my will with His will. So first challenge, pray personally. You know, prayer changes me. God is the same, right? I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because... The need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change me, or it doesn't change God. It changes me. Sometimes we think we go to God and it's like oh, I'm going to change God's I, d- decision on this. It helps us align ourselves with will. So pray personally, pray with your family, and pray corporately. And we're going to give you a bunch of options this week. Tonight we're going to pray and worship tonight at six. Uh, Monday to Friday. I know this is super early, but it's for those of you that are teachers or work somewhere. I know this is really early. So you're like, man, he's kind of set the bar like way up here and we can't meet it, but at 545. Yes, it's early. And then uh, Wednesday night, we're going to have another corporate time of worship worship and prayer at 630. So I challenge you this week, fast something is between you and God. And and pray. Maybe you set a time at your home to pray together. Maybe you're already doing that. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's, let's, let's stand today before we go. Lord, we thank you today that we are a church that prays. Lord, we pray that you would challenge us to pray more, to seek you more, to align our will with yours we pray just this week that that you would speak to us. You'd speak to our hearts this week. That as we we pray, as we worship you this week, Lord, that we would go deep in you. Lord, that you would speak to us in, in every area that we need spoken to. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.